Support for this show is brought to you by Instill. Our friends at Instill really understand what it means to build and manage relationships in a holistic and human-first way. The platform's advanced UX design and real-time analytics, smooth donor management to make it easy for you to connect every supporter to the impact of your work. To learn more, head on over to www.instill.io backslash Mallory. My message is so bold and broad and it's working. Yeah. We helped 502 families within the past two years and housed 122 families. Welcome back to episode 43 of What the Fundraising. I'm your host, Mallory Erickson, and this podcast is for impact leaders and change makers who are looking to fundamentally change the way they lead and fundraise. This episode is part of an incredible mini-series on what funders want, made possible by our friends at GiveButter. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Simone Gordon, known on social media as the Black Fairy Godmother. Simone is a single mother of a severely autistic son and a huge advocate for women and families. Her story in the nonprofit world began when she was looking for assistance for her son, and despite visiting countless organizations, the place where she found real help was in other women. Since then, Simone started and now runs the Black Fairy Godmother organization, which helps marginalized Black and Brown families get the support they need. To date, Simone has helped over 500 families and has housed more than 122, all of that while being a single caretaker of her son and a full-time nursing student. In this episode, we talk about the broken parts of the nonprofit world and how her work looks to stop putting people in boxes and really listen to their needs. How are people receiving nonprofit organizations' services? What happens when their needs fall outside of the box? Simone shares how she mobilizes her community on social media constantly to connect the dots and meet urgent needs. Since this episode is all about what funders want, I'm going to be summarizing some of the key takeaways related to how to activate grassroots individual donors in the outro. But let's start by jumping in, meeting Simone, and hearing her incredible story and more about her work. Hi, good. How are you doing? I'm well in yourself. I'm doing okay. I'm so excited to, to meet you. Thank you. I just want to let you know that I have a severely autistic son and I don't have a lot of stuff. He requires 24-hour care. So if you do hear yelling in the background, I do apologize. But this is the norm of what I'm going to speak to you about what the foundation is about. No problem at all. And whatever you need to do, if you need to stop at any point and take care of him or respond to him, whatever you need to do during this time, just tell me. Awesome. So why don't we just start, Simone, with what brings you to this moment in the work that you're doing? Um, In 2017, I lost my job. I was working at a bank and I am a single mom of a severely autistic child. And I was only making $200 a week when I received unemployment. So many nonprofits I applied for, I did the 211. I did everything that you can imagine. Most people tell you there's a website here. There's a website here to go for help. So I've done all the work. Mm. And it was for three months straight. I kept calling, kept getting a runaround, kept getting voicemails. You're on a waiting list, things of that nature. But there were other people before me who was getting services. And I was not. My son was as well. In big nonprofits, a lot of people don't know is that they're paying people's salaries. And at the same time, they are assisting very little. 
there are people in urban communities who are not receiving the same assistance. Uh, what I've done was I went on Facebook and I asked, where can I get help for my son who has autism? And they told me that it was a group that helped women who are minorities and they would advocate for me or assist me anyways. And I went ahead and I joined that group. When I joined that group, there were four strangers, one in California, one in Maryland, one in New York, and another one in Washington who helped me get on my feet. I put the story out there that my son is severely autistic. He requires 24-hour assistance. I am a single mom. I researched every nonprofit and every children's specialized hospital there were. And most people would say, you receive Medicaid and you can get diapers through Medicaid. But people don't understand those diapers that Medicaid provide to you. He, as soon as he does you know, his business in that diaper, it seeks through the child or the person with disability clothing. So those diapers are no good. So I feel as though regardless of a person is poor, regardless of their disability, they deserve the same care as others. So I went ahead and a woman from California said, I will order you Depends and I will gather up some gift cards so that we could do a monthly Depends subscription for you. Mm -hmm. A woman in Washington, Kimberly and Steve said, well, what's something that you want to do? I said, I want to go back to school. I want to go back to college. They went ahead and said, well, let's enroll you in a community college because I dropped out when I was in school in 2007 because I couldn't afford it. And that's how I got my banking job, doing customer service and making, you know, great money at the age of 19. So I told them I couldn't go back to community college. And they said, well, what? Like, everybody could go to community college. Like, what's the point? <laughs> I owe a balance of 784 or 783. And they said, we'll pay off that balance. We will re-enroll you online and pay for your tuition. And that's what they done. The first year, they went ahead and paid my tuition and I enrolled into nursing school. And I have a 3.8 GPA at this present time. And I said to myself, I'm not going to sit here and let women like myself feel like it's over, it's, it's done. I have no family. I have nowhere to go. So I went ahead and started fundraising on my personal Facebook page 2017 I created something called Wishlist Angels and I just took off from there. I just want to make awareness to people as to what is going on with these big nonprofits that there's some sort of discrimination that's happening between marginalized families and I am becoming the voice where I am showing receipts, showing how families are working class. It could be your secretary, your janitor, even school teachers are having it rough. And I'm showing the essentials that people do not have and things that a lot of us take for granted as far as a bed. Who would imagine a mother making sure that her children go to school with clean uniforms, food, et cetera. She doesn't have a bed. She doesn't have a car, but she makes it work. Mm -hmm. So that's my initiative. And that's my awareness. I'm putting it out there showing people when they donate to the foundation where their money is actually going. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. don't get salary. We don't get any money from this 100% volunteer. One of the things that really stands out to me about the way you fundraise and hearing that story, actually, it also makes a lot of sense is that you had this experience where people were like, okay, your needs need to fit into this box, right? We'll give yeah. you this type of diaper and that's it because that's the way we provide this service. And that wasn't even from a nonprofit. That was a government program. But the way that you do it is, well, let's just take a step back and really what is needed? What is 
is the thing that's actually needed? And I just feel like there's no, like sometimes when we get into the bureaucracy of nonprofits, people are then like, yeah, we'll just donate used versions of that. And you're like, no, we're going to set up a wish list and you're going to buy a new version of that because these women deserve that too. And you just cut out a lot of the, I think, scarcity mindset that holds back access to a lot of these things. Exactly. And most of the, if you look at the Amazon wish list and the Target wish list, I created something to where the clearance item. If a mom needs the bed, it's under $150 and the sheets are $30. We spent $30 in less than two days at Starbucks and have to go Mm -hmm. to a child having some bedding on their bed. Yeah, but there's no judgment. There's no judgment about the things that are needed. And I think that's the other thing that's so different about the way you talk about the women in your community and that you talk about the supporters in your community too, which is really just that life is complicated. The world is complicated and People are not getting what they need and we want to take care of each other. And so who can step up right now to just do this thing? Yep. And I had a couple who were getting married and the boyfriend didn't want to give up his furniture because he was moving in with his soon-to-be wife. And he said, wow, what can I do to make an impact? So he wrote a big, long email and donated all of the furniture that he had for the apartment for someone else. Wow. That's a great one. I was just going to ask you, what's been a story of what's happened since you started doing this that's really inspired you? The recent story would be, give me one second, the foreclosure. They were going to foreclose a woman who is 75 years old home within 48 hours. And we were able to raise that almost $5,000 and pay it directly to make sure wow. that they don't pull through this. So we done that. And she cried because she really thought that she was going to have to sleep at her friend's house who lives in a senior building. Mm. Because she raised her children, her grandchildren, neighbors in that home. And times is hard. And who would think that someone who's 75 would end up losing their home? Then we had a woman in Oklahoma whose home was going to be auctioned off because she owed taxes because she was a crossing guard. But because of the pandemic, they didn't need crossing guards, so they laid her off. And her mm-hmm. unemployment is not a lot of money. So we stopped that. The one thing that got me was today. There was a pregnant woman and her two children who's been living in their car. And she mm-hmm. works. She works at KFC. And she was so embarrassed to let them know that she was living this way. We reached out to the foundation. As you can see, we raised funds for a hotel. Uh, we had a follower and one of our volunteers to get them clean clothing, feminine toiletry things, to make sure she contacts her doctor to see if the baby's healthy. Thank God the baby is much like an urgent care. And I reached out to a realtor because um, we have some realtors who help us out with apartments or relations they have with different landlords and apartment complex. And she got her keys today. We raised the funds. Oh, she got her keys God. today. And it's affordable. Yes. And it's affordable $6.83 a month that she can afford. And she was just crying because she doesn't have family. She went to social services three times. They couldn't help her the way they want to because the housing need is so extreme. And yes, people say she can go to a shelter. Do they know since she has little girls, sometimes shelters are unsafe. And shelters, when 
a child is homeless or a child is going through a domestic situation at home, they call Child Protective Services, and that's the only family she has. So that's why she slept on her car for safety. Wow. First of all, just all of those stories are so amazing. And I think the other thing that's just so important that you're saying is like, people are so quick to say, go here, because that'll fix it, right? They're go here, that thing's for that. And I think what you're really calling attention to is like, there's a lot of broken stuff. There are a lot of broken nonprofits. There are a lot of broken government systems. There's a lot of broken, and I'm a huge advocate for the nonprofit sector. I do believe that it has the potential to solve some really big problems, but I do agree with you that there are quite a few of them that got too big and the bureaucracy that now governs their decision-making and their actual support to people is upside down. And that's why I tell people to please, please support grassroots nonprofits. Yeah. Oh, I lost you for a second. I think you're muted. Is that good? It's so important. Are you still here? Yes. I'm muted because my son is autistic, as we all know. And sometimes he can be a little screaming, guys. I'm sorry about that, but he's my heart. And that's another thing. Some single women don't have childcare or they don't have respite care to help their children. And I'm one of them and I'm still doing the work that I do. I'm curious as someone who wants to advocate for you too, I know the nonprofit sector, like there are those organizations that are way too much money is going into them, essentially being an employer and not enough of it is getting to the people in need. But I also believe that you deserve to be paid for what you're doing. I do, but there's not a lot of money that's coming into the foundation because once we have families who who needs like social, I might have 40,000 followers, but I don't have 1.8 million. So most of the time we don't get a lot and we make things stretch. So that's how I'm not able to get like a salary or anything like that towards what I'm doing. Hopefully God will bless me in the future where I can get a transitional home or I can get more followers or people who can donate. But that's where me and the volunteers are at. And I'm just happy I have now 50 volunteers versus 12 who see the work because they're doing the work themselves with me. And they're like, what can we do for you? I said, hey, it's buy a gift card or something. But that's not where I'm at because I have my son who requires 24-hour attention. I will love that opportunity because my message is so bold and broad and it's working. Yeah, We helped 502 families within the past two years and house 122 families. First Tea of Greater Akron needed to switch from an outdated donor management system to something more user-friendly. With Bloomerang, they found that and more. Executive Director Josh Smith commented, We love Bloomerang. It saved time. It's helped us raise more funds. By investing in a donor database that they actually loved using, First Tea of Greater Akron was able to raise more funds and continue creating lasting change in their community. To listen to the full interview with First Tea of Greater Akron, visit bloomerang.com backslash what the fundraising or click the link in the show notes. It's amazing. And the other thing is, and I'm covered in chills and I'm going to try not to cry, but I think the thing that is so amazing about what you do is yes, you can grow based on the number of donors and the number of followers that you have, but 
what you've done is amazing. And the ripple effect and the lives that are changed, hearing how like your experience in being supported by those women has now created this ripple effect of wanting to show up for these other women. And I, I, I think the thing about you, Simone, that I also just have always admired is I think that not only have you provided that many beds or all those different things, but the way that you're inspiring the people who are giving, you're changing them too, to feel like they can do something, they can make a difference. And that is also something that I think people desperately need and want in order to show up for their community. Absolutely. I'm even telling people on their birthdays when each person say happy birthday to them, ask them to donate five or ten dollars to the food fund or to donate to an Amazon list because it's making a difference and it has worked. People have, hey, today's my birthday and I want to sponsor a family today who just moved, or I want to sponsor a family who needs medical supplies, or I want to sponsor a family who needs groceries. Can you guys do that? And it worked. Or for the dream team, many families were facing eviction and some people took bills and they took food requests and they got it done. Yeah. And I just want to say, and I am going to put this on the podcast if you're okay with it. I just want to say for anyone who's listening to this right now and anyone who's a donor with big capacity, you could do some huge work with Simone and you could really help her build the infrastructure she needs to support her as the leader of this organization. And I think it's so helpful to see, okay, $20 buys this thing, but for a donor to be able to come in and like truly support the infrastructure of your organization, that is tremendously powerful. That's what allows all the the other donors and all the other community members to be able to really um, participate in impactful and powerful ways. And so sometimes within the sector, we get caught up in how much goes to overhead and how much goes to directly to the people in need. And I think it's an important conversation when we're talking about big nonprofits where the services are not being provided. But like you said, with grassroots organizations, a lot of those organizations get so much pushback about their overhead. And it's those people deserve to get paid and they deserve to not be stressed like you with all the work that you're doing. I do not want you to have financial stress, like the way you're, you know, 4 a.m. every morning, I'm cleaning my son up, um, making sure his diapers is changed because he's 11 and he's on a severe end of the spectrum and I do it alone, but I also have to make sure that my foundation is 100% um, at a capacity where we can help people who are filling out applications and everybody is vetted. They give us their, you know, IDs, they give us documentation. So everything is vetted and it's through. And at times I'm like, okay, I'm feeding someone, I'm doing all the work, but I just feel like my blessing is when I get a child or a parent smiling, having a place to live, fleeing from domestic violence, having food, even though I'm marginalized myself, but that's just the joy of it. I know I will get to a place where I'm able to have a salary. I'm able to have a small office space where I can fully run. But these 50 volunteers, I'm so grateful for that's across the United States that's doing it in the in their own home and having a computer, having a phone. We're doing a lot. And some people say you're doing more work than the actual social services places that I've been to. Yeah. So Because you're listening. You're listening. You're not just saying, hey, get in this line for this very specific thing or submit this form for this very specific thing. And, oh, you need that. We don't do that. 
you're just listening and you're just asking them, asking people what they need. And what you're finding is that there are, and what you knew is that there are so many gaps in all of it. So it sounds like the thing that sort of keeps you going every day is the impact that you're making. And I can imagine that one of the hardest things is obviously balancing your own life and running this organization and the full-time job of caring for your son. What else is really hard? If the people listening to this could solve one problem for you, what would it be? I've never been on a vacation before. I never experienced beach life. I, I never experienced anything of that. And I just want one week of self-care. Mm. I would love a week in Miami looking at coupons and it's only about 500 bucks. And people are like, well, that's not a lot of money, but that's money that I don't have. And I would love yeah. to this month just be able to go on a vacation and just have somebody care for my son for the weekend while I just just have me time. A lot of people just say, oh, she's on TV. She's this and that. But I'm more than just that. You can hear it in the background. You can hear it in my voice. You can see me face to face. I'm more than just that. Yeah. You know, I am an actual mom. I'm in school full time. I was doing virtual learning while my son was doing virtual learning. And at times I did break. I had a breakdown, not being able to be outside with friends and family or not experience the mall and have to do everything through Uber Eats or Instacart or ordering off Amazon is is hard. Yeah, it's a lot. You're holding a lot. And I can imagine even just talking to you, like in sensing how like sensitive and empathetic you are, that even the stories that come in from the folks you want to be helping is probably a lot. Yeah, it is. What would you say to someone else who's thinking about doing something like this, like grassroots crowd fundraising, direct service, who is, I want to do what she's doing in my community. What would you say to them? Make sure you have a heart. Make sure you work with the right people that's ready. Make sure that you are in a no judgment zone because once you have that type of mind, you will soar and you will get more things done. Also, at times, it mentally takes you down. So be prepared at times to have that mental meltdown, that mental takedown. But always remember you're doing a cause for your own community. This could be you in two months a year or 10 years. Cause always remember that somebody needs help. Yeah. Will you tell me about that judgment piece? I think that's so important, but I'm curious from your perspective, what you mean by that? I get a lot of nasty inboxes where people are judging people for being in hardship. They did not wake up one day and say, I want to be in hardship. I want to lose my job. I want to lose my house. I want to lose everything. I want to be a domestic violence victim. I want to not have food in my refrigerator. But there is a systematic trouble that is going on and that has been going on for years. And now everyone is waking up to it. So I just want people to not be judgmental. There was a mom who put on an Amazon list because she just left left a shelter. She put a pot set that was Rachel Ray. Someone goes, oh, for somebody who's leaving a shelter, why are they asking for Rachel Ray products? Was that appropriate? Mm. She's not asking for a Mercedes Benz. She's asking for pots that she would want to cook her food in with someone that maybe she idolized, Rachel Ray. That's what the Mm. Black Fairy Godmother did. I wrote to Rachel Ray and they sent her a free pot set. No, I think that's such an important message around. Yeah, I think the judgment piece is so important, right? That this is about 
There are so many stories of people falling into hardship that other people can relate to. But to me, it's also like, that doesn't even really matter. It's just like people are in a hard situation and don't we want to help them not be in a hard situation because we can, because you can just buy those pots. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I love that. I love uh, so much of what you do, I think is, is critical for nonprofits to be thinking about. I, I hope that nonprofit folks who are listening to this are also taking a step back and looking at their own organizations and saying, okay, how are people receiving our services? Where are the gaps in what we're providing? I think I've seen a, a number of different organizations who they are doing good work. Their staff is working so hard. They don't have crazy overhead, but they have overhead because they need to attract talent and they need to build a staff team. And I am an advocate for all of those things, of course. And I think one of the things that they don't often do, which I think your work is highlighting is that what are the patterns of inquiry that your organization is constantly getting that you haven't solved for? If you provide a certain, right, if you provide a specific service and you're noticing that there's a pattern of inquiry around a tangential service or an, an adjusted service take a step back and recognize that there might be a response to the community need that's really important instead of just sending the wrong type of diapers to a family and telling them to make it work. Just like I tell people, we have shelters for families, but do we have actual social workers who can build something for them to become stabilized? We don't have any of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Exactly. We pick one kind of point on the line and then we're like, okay, this should solve the whole thing. And there are so many reasons why folks have found themselves at that point and they need support around multiple pieces of that puzzle. Absolutely. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's the other thing that I've noticed is that you provide sometimes like diverse needs, like a family needs this and they need this. And you're like, we're just going to fundraise for both of them at the same time. Does that, do you find that to be just as effective? Absolutely. I, I hope everyone goes, I will make sure below this episode, there are all the links to the foundation to you on Instagram. Everyone needs to go and follow you right away and make sure that you're liking her posts and resharing her posts and giving when you can to the different things that, that they are fundraising for, because that also helps with the social media algorithms of making sure that the messages are getting out there. And I think so often you're like, okay, I need five people to give $20 to do this one thing. And so there are just so many amazing ways for folks to plug in and support. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to make sure people hear from you specifically? Not at this time. Just go to my website at www.theblackfairygodmother.org. There's so many things and ways to give and also ways to contact me to learn more on how you could be a part of our foundation and volunteer. You don't always have to give money. There's always certain things that you can do. We need more resume writers. We need more peer assistance to help some of these families become stabilized after 90 days of 
going through the trauma that they went through. Yes. I think giving people other opportunities to engage is critical. So we'll make sure all of that is down below. Thank you so much for joining me today and talking about this. Really, you're such an inspiration and there's so much that nonprofit professionals and fundraisers can learn from you and the work that you're doing. I'm really grateful. I'm grateful for everything that you're doing, especially for nonprofits. And thank you for having me today. Okay, Simone has demonstrated tremendous grassroots fundraising genius, and here are a few things she's doing incredibly well that everyone should walk away with when it comes to what individual donors want. First, sharing real stories and connecting people with the recipients of their generosity. Simone demonstrates quick turnaround and feedback after she fundraises for someone or for a family. And in between asks, she is constantly storytelling and building community around the larger purpose of the foundation and the work. And even when she's making an ask, she's usually telling people how many donors are needed and at what level, so they feel a part of the bigger group, but also this small group of action takers that are making this specific thing happen. One of the other things I love that she does is she is constantly building donors' identity connection to the organization. Her communications always demonstrate that Seth Godin quote that I love, people like X do things like this. How do people identify that the donors of your organization are like them, that they should be a donor too? And when they do see themselves in your organization, how are they asked to engage? Look at some of the social media posts that Simone puts up on her Instagram account. She is demonstrating all of these components incredibly well. And we know from past episodes that this is what individual donors are looking for. There are some other takeaways around how Simone does things that I think are also critical to her success as a fundraiser and also the impact her organization is making. She is listening to people's stories. She is humanizing the approach by listening to people's background stories and their true needs. She's also not judging. Her organization understands that anyone can fall into situations of hardship. No one chooses poverty, illness, or to live in a violent environment. It's clear that Simone has tremendous respect for the women her organization supports. And one of the ways she demonstrates that respect is in the narratives she shares and the way she defends her fundraising efforts and her community's needs. Another thing I love is that she's changing the way that we think about donating goods. It's not about giving used items that we're discarding. This is about providing people with the items that they need in a respectful and quality way. She has a very holistic approach. She understands that people have very different needs and she really listens to all of them and finds a way to solve them all together. And she's responding to a community need. This is an incredibly important element of what makes her able to ask for investment and involvement on a consistent basis. All right, there is so much more where this came from. So head on over to MalloryErickson.com backslash podcast to get access to all the show notes right now. You'll also find more information there about Simone and how to get involved in her amazing organization. Thank you for spending this time with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would give it a rating and review and share it with a friend. I am so grateful for all of my listeners and the good hard work you're doing to make our world a better place. And if you miss me between episodes, stop by and say hello on Instagram under whatthefundraising underscore. Have a great day, and I'll see you in the next episode of this mini series.